Welcome to the Victory Tips Radio. My name is Vince Bayer. I'm the author of the Victory Tips program, a Bible-based recovery program for those struggling with anxiety and depression. Victory Tips is a peer-to-peer program and is written out of my own recovery from anxiety and depression. My problems came to a head in 2001. I became suicidal and I made five attempts on my life. Uh, Following that, I began to get well. And as I recovered, I began to write down what I was learning. And I began sharing what I was learning with others. And eventually this led to the writing of the Victory Tips program. And today we have four conference calls a day that we hold to help people through their anxieties and depressions. And recently we decided to expand our outreach by going to radio. And today we are recording an interview with a member of the group. His name is Mike. And so I welcome you to listen to our conversation and hopefully you will learn something that will help you or someone you know. So Mike, welcome to the broadcast. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Your story leans toward drug abuse and mental health. So I was wondering if you could just go back and just give us an overview of your life, Mike, and tell us what perhaps led you down that path of drug abuse and so forth. I think it was bad choices. You know, I left home at a very early age and I just was very easily influenced because I didn't have a spiritual guidance in my life at that time. You know, I was weak in spirit and I didn't have God guiding me in my pathways in my early years, so. What led you to leave home so early in life? And how young were you when you left home? I was probably about maybe just turning 16. So that's that's young to leave home at that age. We, we kind of had some issues in, we had a good family, it was, it was good, but it was mixed and it was broken a little bit. And none of us really had the direction of God, you know, like in our lives, right? And if there was, then it wasn't really talked about much. So, you know, dad was, dad did his best to, to provide and he did, he was a good provider, you know, um, but there was, there was problems that we just didn't know how to deal with. And I had no clue how to deal with any brokenness. You know, when a family breaks up a couple of times, you know, with different family members, it, it gets a little bit tough, right? It gets depressing and it gets it gets hard, right? You face life on life's terms, but you know, when you're when you're so young and and so um, naive, you think you know a lot, but you actually really don't. So I just left, and I and I wanted to leave and go out and. There's a saying, you get thrown out of the nest. <laughs> you fly out of the nest, I guess. Yeah. Too early. I left too early. So, so I guess when I fell out of the nest, I, I didn't land properly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened when you left home at 16? Oh, I went to the big city, Toronto. I went to Toronto. And uh, it was kind of, I, I'm not going to mention any names. But I met some people and, you know, they were, you don't know who they are and what they're, what they're all about. 
mm-hmm. and they just misled me and I, and I was misled. So, you know, you, you can fall into a trap because you don't have the guidance and the wisdom from the Lord. Right. So I just had to experience life the hard way, I guess. I guess at that time, you know, I got a job. I worked at a theater as a short order cook. I worked on Young Street downtown by the Eaton Center. And um, I lived there and I worked. I worked there a lot. And I worked there for probably a couple of years. I did a lot of maintenance in, in hotels and, and different things. I worked at the Eaton Center for a while. I just met the wrong people and I got in wrong I got involved with the wrong wrong things. I was misled and um I started uh getting involved with, you know, dealing drugs and different things like that. At that time it wasn't like hard drugs, it was just like pot and hash oil and grass and oil, like stuff like that, mushrooms, you know, like it, it's not like today, like today the drugs are so strong and powerful and, and very, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of very evil drugs out there today. That's for sure. That can really damage people's lives. Had you taken a lot of drugs during school? I never actually took drugs when I was in school. Okay. Uh, we didn't have drugs in school and that was a no, no. My mom and dad were very strict on drugs as we were kids growing up, we, we never even heard of marijuana or okay. not really. Right. I think there was one time my brother, my stepbrother came home with some marijuana and, um, that was a disaster. Yeah. Dad was not a happy camper. That's for sure. Okay. What happened? Uh, you were working near the Eaton Center doing maintenance on hotels. And what happened after that? When I first went to the city, I kind of lived on the streets a little bit, right? I wasn't even old enough to work. So uh, I did struggle a little bit. I was a street kid for a bit. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that a sheltered kid doesn't know about when you hit the city. Eh? There's a lot of evil. When you don't know the Lord and you have no way to fight that evil, then you learn some hard knocks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you experience, you have to go through things um, in a way where you learn as you go. What did your parents say about you leaving home and going to the big city like that? Well, you know, my mom and dad, they, they were having some some marital issues, my, my second mom and my dad. And, they they needed time to sort that out and i just felt that i would i was being kind of a burden to them so i just thought it would because we had so many kids right and it was hard on dad's pocketbook so i just uh figured i'd just split the scene and and go and do my own thing right right it probably wasn't the best choice i should have stayed at home and stayed in school but so that's what I mean. I was my own worst enemy, and I and I and I kind of shot myself in the foot by doing that because that that prevented me from having better opportunities than I did and that I had to go through. Right. Right. So my only other alternative was that I started selling drugs 
and I got involved with uh, a group of people that I didn't even know or be aware of who they were, what they were, or what they stood for, right? Mm-hmm. Until, you know, later on, you know, then you start hearing other people talk about that sort of thing. So, you know, when God says, please, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, that was kind of me. I didn't know what I was doing. So. Right. Uh, so what would you say to a young person who's thinking about dropping out of school? What would you say to that young person? Uh, I would say, give your head a shake and um, seriously think uh, of another alternative because uh, copying out of school is basically being a cop out yourself and um, you're cheating yourself out of a lot of opportunities that you might not have to put yourself through and then you know I'm not saying every person that runs away I kind of run away from home because um you know, when you have a split family and, and you have a lot of brothers, and we we didn't always get along. There was fights and there was there was arguing. And, you know, sometimes it's not always people's fault that they have to leave home. OK, um, I just I, I, I'm not saying that it was the proper choice. Right. But my advice is to somebody who's young that if they do come from a broken home and there's problems there, I'm, I'm not going to say that everything was my fault. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to blame it on my family or my father or my brothers or anybody else. I think that was just what happened. And that's where my feet took me and the road took me. Right. And, um, so was school extra hard and that's why you felt you had to quit school? You know, I was in a very uh, small town, uh-huh. and the mm-hmm. curriculum and some of the teachers were kind of. It was a. It was kind of a tough school. There was a lot of things going on behind the scenes in the school board. I can't explain it in a way where I don't really want to offend anybody or say the wrong thing. Okay. I'm sure the teachers did their best, but uh, realistically. I don't think the the teachers were the greatest, to be honest. No, I'm, I'm not saying all the teachers there were doing a good job because there were some teachers there that were a little bit out there. Okay. And and I don't mean not to offend anybody, but it's true. The caliber of, of teaching, the abilities of them with their skills, I think they were a little bit short. Okay. And, um, you know, they they placed me with some... Uh, teachers that were kind of abusive with power and they they did not treat the students properly okay i think there was a little bit of abuse going on in that school as well and i don't mean to sound critical but it is what it is right right and sometimes it's not always the students fault that they fall short of grades because sometimes if the teacher doesn't have the qualifications to deliver those abilities to the student in a way that that student can absorb or understand. Right. Then if they don't have the patience and they don't have the the willingness to, to want to teach the, the, the children there. Mm-hmm. And I think that because I was in such a small town, you know, I'm not going to mention what town I lived in, but it was a very, very small town. The population was very small. Okay. 
it was a it was a low school. It was a low grade school. Put okay. it that way. Okay. So what happened after you were in Toronto for a couple of years? You got into a group of people that you didn't know what they were into, and then what happened after that? Well, nothing good came about that. That's for sure. Like all the people that were delivering those products they started getting into harder drugs and I wasn't that bad at that time. You know, after a while I started, uh, the police started getting on my case because they, they were following me. People were complaining, you know, I was dealing drugs. And so, well, yeah, I mean, you obviously get uh, put on a list, you know, when you, when you start delivering uh, illegal products to other people within the community, and, you know, if somebody complains, I wasn't doing crime. I like, I wasn't stealing or doing, uh, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't selling really hard drugs. Uh, I mean, I did a little bit, but I didn't even know what I was doing. So I didn't even know what they were or what they did because I never did them. And then I started seeing my friends doing them and I saw some pretty awful things. Like they, they were a mess. I left the city after a few years. You know, the, the police started harassing me a few times. I never got arrested, but I, I knew that they were watching me, and I knew sooner or later if I didn't stop doing what I was doing, I probably would have went to jail, right? So I split the scene. I went home for a while. I lived with my dad and my mom and uh, my new mother, and um, and then I started a new life, and I lived out in so I would say probably around 22, there was one time I tried to off myself. I tried to, I tried to kill myself and, uh, I got really depressed from all the, the bad choices that I made when I, when I left home, I got really depressed. I, I just felt so full of guilt and so full of remorse. I just didn't want to live anymore. I hated my life. And then. I just didn't have the joy of, of of the Lord in my life. I didn't know God still, even then. Yeah, I, I try not to remember those times or those days because they were they were pretty bad. They were rough days. But no, I mean, I can relate. I don't really think, I mean, obviously, if somebody wants to kill themselves, you're not you're not exactly at the best place in your mind at that time. It's a pretty dark spot. As well, was it a case that you couldn't find a job? No, no, I, I seem to always work. I always had a job. I've always seemed to work. I was just, uh, I was just guilt-ridden. I don't want to get into the street life because there's a lot of things that can go go, go on behind the scenes, okay? Okay. I, I was I really wasn't into crime, but I, I really don't want to talk about my past sure. uh, or, or bring up certain things that I've done. Sure. Everybody's life is different. Mm-hmm. And I all consider the, the kind of life that I lived. It's not as bad as a lot of some hardened people that really get deep into a lot of different kinds of crime. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't choose that road. I mean, I could have went down that road. And there was a few times later on in my in my addiction. All I know is I started dabbling with some of the harder drugs, and I got 
I did not know what I was doing. I was out of it. And I, and I'd done some things that I felt really ashamed of. And I probably hurt a couple people and, um, including myself, you know, when, when you look at scripture and I was suicidal, I wanted to die. So I, I wanted to do something to really just end it. And I'm glad I didn't kill myself. Technically, I got a spiritual spanking by him, by God. And uh, he straightened my head out. And things got better. Like, it was up and down through my 20s, then to my 30s, you know. But for the longest time, I did drugs, you know. I started dabbling with, you know, cocaine and, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think by doing those hard drugs is what caused the mental health issues. Because then you're not yourself anymore. You're full of demons, right? Yeah. What events took place? Did you meet anyone, any Christians at that point in your 20s or 30s? Yeah. When I went to Saskatoon, I met some Christians. And uh, my brother, my oldest brother, I went to Edmonton and I got uh, baptized at the People's Church. And how old were you? I think I was probably about 19. But I left. I left the, the, the church scene and I went out on my own just because I got, I think, I think my brother planted a seed there really early, but I never lived it. Being baptized and, and being saved, if you turn away from that, you know, I didn't grow. I had stunted spiritual growth. I had delayed maturity, definitely. There's no question about it. Because I didn't seek the Lord at that time, I didn't know how, and I didn't, I didn't have that leadership uh, mentoring me, like I do now. Right. There, there's a lot of really good Christians here that have really spent time mentoring me and taking the time to really direct me and guide me and help me grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also myself that's really made the effort to change. What influenced you to leave Edmonton? What made me want to leave? I didn't like Edmonton. Right. I, I didn't. I didn't like it at all. Why is that? It's it's a big city. It's dark. There's a lot of dark people there. That you know, there's there's a lot of good people, obviously. But I believe that God brought me here, where I am now, right in Ontario. I seem to do okay here. And now I, I've made a commitment and a vow to God, and I, and I love God, and God's restored me. You know, he's taken me from a lot of bad areas in my life, and he's turned my life around, and he's and he showed me. He's revealed himself to me through the Word. And on our, my willingness to want to change is, is basically other people, I guess, like yourself, you know, that's been a support. Or, you know, I've reached out and it's a process. It's a long one. You should, I'm sure you can relate to that, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's been a long journey. Who influenced you to really get back on the path to get the commitment that you now sound like you have? Who helped you reach that place? Oh, there's been a lot. Believe it or not, the, the, a lot of police prayed for me. Guards prayed for me. Um, you know, there's there's been lots of pastors that, that have been a very good influence in me. 
yourself. I mean, you wrote this awesome book. This is a great book. It's, it's helped me a lot. You know, whenever I, whenever I have a negative thought or if I, if I have, you know, I think the wrong thing or I say the wrong thing, I look in this book quite often, actually, every day. <laughs> and, and, and I read scripture every day. Every day I read scripture, the Bible. I read it every day. There's so many good groups. There's been lawyers that are Christians that have prayed for me, and I'm very thankful for everybody that has contributed to their efforts to mentor me and guide me and and, uh, deliver me and redeem me. I've tried to surround myself with positive people. I try and help now, and, and I try and help people that are struggling with addiction or struggling with the wrong kind of uh, lifestyle. Right. Um, are, you, are you involved in your local church? I, I try to be. I try to be. Yep. We've had struggles here and there. I've gone to the same church probably for 20 years, 17 years, something like that. But mm-hmm. I bounced around from, you know, church to church. I've, I've, I've gone to different churches and you know, I've experienced uh, different levels of Christians who are in different walks of life. Every Christian's walk is different. Like, we're all different people, but we're individual people, right? Right. And so everybody's on a different level of um, Christian faith or their fellowship with one another. Some is strong, some are, some is not so strong, some need spiritual I guess in betterment or or whatever you want to call it. Like we all struggle to be this perfect person that God expects us to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so learning our purpose to to help one another and reach out to each other and be that guidance and that support and that light, and try and just deliver us out of that dark spot. Like I live on in a very dark neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's drug addiction everywhere around me. And so I think that God's put me here for a reason. And so I try and reach out to and and fellowship and and try and minister to people who are struggling. And I pray for people all the time, every chance I get. And and I think that's our calling that, you know, God's got that root and we're to branch off and to help mentor others that have mentored me. So now we need to do that fruitful harvesting i think that's what the bible speaks about if we can bear good fruit right right from that tree that we branch we branch off to others and and we share that the vine that the root of god gives us right and that's branch out to others and and share that word the gospel gives us hope and it gives us direction and guidance right at some point you had to say no more drugs was that a battle to stop taking street drugs for you were there times when you quit and you quit for a while but then you went back to it that was a a struggle for quite quite a few years in and out of my addiction how about rehabs have you been to uh... <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh <laughs> there's lots of failures there that's for sure I guess it just wasn't my time at those times when I did fail. And then I just picked myself up, dusted my feet off, and and I carried on. And yeah, I had lots of bumps and lumps and bruises over my addiction. 
I had lots of terrible times. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I, I really wouldn't. Addiction is terrible. And you know, the, th- the funny thing about it is addiction's probably there for a reason. It brings suffering and suffering causes perseverance and perseverance causes strength. Mm-hmm. Some people don't make it out of their addiction. Some people will suffer until they die. We actually just buried somebody here not too long ago, and it really opened my eyes because this person was sleeping out on a couple of mattresses just under a stairway here and under a stairway there. And that person was brought into an environment where people loved them and cared about them and tried to save them, but, you know, the devil took them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The, the drugs that they're making nowadays are very, very strong. They're very powerful. And, you know, it only takes one little granule. Fentanyl is a very, very bad drug. It's put out there. And I'm thankful. And, and I'm, I, w- I never sold that drug. And I'm so thankful that I didn't. I never got involved with heroin or that kind of thing. But I'm not justifying. I, I went low as low as you can possibly be you know, in my addiction. And yes, I did crystal meth for two years and I'm telling you, I'm not proud of what I, what I thought about when I was high on those drugs. That's, but it opened my eyes and it made me realize that I didn't want that in my life anymore. So what advice would you give to someone who, who has a drug addiction and wants to break free? Maybe you could speak to that and help those people you know, Vince, I, I would go get help, go to, go to detox, pray, ask God to change the desire of your heart before it's too late. Because I'll tell you, like, we're not supposed to say who goes up or down, but I mean, there is only two places we can go. And I really don't know what's going to happen if, you know, somebody ODs. Only our maker knows, only Jesus knows. He holds the keys of life and death, right? Right. I just hope and pray that they get help and, you know, because they can be restored. Like I was, I was almost as, as bad as you could probably get. And God's restored my life. I repented. I turned all away from all the wrong things that I was doing. And I truly repented and I asked God, please, Lord, change me. And I repented from everything, all the low down, dirty, evil things that I thought about. And I did when I was high. I mean, drugs change people. I mean, either you get your head together, you get, you get your spirit, you get your, you get right with God or you let the devil destroy you. And that's all there is to it. I'm not letting the devil destroy me. I'm sorry. Have you ever been involved with the NA groups? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of pride in NA. A lot of NA people that go to those meetings, they don't have a lot of humility. And, you know, you mentioned God and you're, you're this weak person, right? And I, oh, you can mention higher power, but I just believe that I'm not knocking NA or AA, okay? There's, there's a, it's a good program. There's lots of good steps. There's 12 traditions. But the thing that they don't realize it is 
all those 12 steps and those 12 traditions, they come from the Bible. The thing that I'm learning is you have to, you got to submit to Christ. There's no other way to, to, to get healed. And, and that's to turn your life over to Christ and get saved. Jesus saves. You know, I really like this one organization. It's called The Christ. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of getting affiliated in with that. You know, reaching out. We can reach out anyway, just through by believing in our heart and speaking out with our mouth. You know, confessing with our mouth is, is our salvation. And when we speak the truth about how powerful the word of uh, in the name of Jesus really is, there's a lot of power there. God has the power to save. But it's a personal choice, I think. You know, we all have to decide which road we want to walk down. So, you know, if you like living in darkness and, you know, you close that door to God's kingdom, well, then that's a personal choice, right? Mm -hmm. So I really don't know what else to tell anybody. If someone's suffering with addiction, I would truly say, find Jesus and get help. And uh, turn your life over to Christ. Read the Bible every day. And find a good church with supportive people that can walk beside you every day. Yeah, I would try and find a good spiritual leader, like a mentor, um, somebody that's uh, very positive. The center, they have very professional people there. I mean, all these people are very spiritually mature Christians. You need to be around people that are going to be a good impact in your life and a good positive role model. Mm -hmm. And finding somebody that is spiritually fit, mature, spiritual leadership. Have you ever been hurt by a church because you've come in, you've got the drug addiction, addiction background? Uh, have you wanted help? Have churches hurt you in the process? Have you? Oh, yes, of course. You know, the thing that I'm learning is the people in the church are only human, just like me and you. Mm-hmm. But they're not perfect. And sometimes Christians, they seem to have, especially an immature Christian or somebody that really isn't walking accordingly to what uh, scripture tells us. And I still do it from time to time, but I'm getting better. God's peeling me away a little bit at a time. I'm an, I'm a, I'm an onion. He, he peels me in layers, right? Right. So, you know, like, yes, I've, of course I've been hurt by other Christians. You know, our tongue, our mouth, the things we say, our expectations of each other. I still need to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Growing is a continual thing growing in the body and um, growing in the spirit and just growing in friendship and fellowship with each other that with the leaders we have to pray for our spiritual leaders just like we have to pray for our police and we have to pray pray for our government and we have to learn to pray for each other prayer is the big thing and we need to pray to god and we have to learn how to surrender to the cross daily and humble ourselves to the Lord every day and learn to correct ourselves when we mess up, when we fail and when we when we don't see ourselves doing what we're supposed to be doing, 
and with them, you know you're messing up, then correct yourself and then and follow through and continue to try and strive for uh, in betterment, like perfection. Um, can the city do more, do you think, in reaching out to people that have these kind of addictions? Absolutely, I think they can. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good people in the city that do a lot of that make a big effort. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's an individual thing. Each individual has a choice to, to try and do what they can for, you know, if, if somebody doesn't know scripture, God does warn us in scripture that, you know, there is going to be a day of judgment and he will judge us for the things that we do for each other. If we think being evil is good and good is evil, doing good things for humanity is is very important spiritually. To please God, we can't be self-willed. We have to come out of ourselves and, and really try and make an effort to help people who we can, when we can. And we have to make sacrifices when we do that. I think that there is a lot of people out there that could be doing a lot more than what they're doing. But I can't tell people what to do. Right. I can only encourage them to lift them up, to try and encourage them to try and do more for others instead of just thinking about themselves. Right. That's the only thing I can pray for, for anybody. Every spirit is subject to a higher authority, and that's Jesus Christ. That's God. One day when we go to heaven, when our spirit leaves our body, <clears throat> And when we stand before God in judgment, he's gonna, he's, he knows what we all do. Okay, so if you haven't repented and you're contributing to creating stumbling blocks for this addiction, well, then you're going to have to answer to, to your higher power, and that's God. And if you haven't repented and turned away from all that, well, there's lots of warnings in the Bible that talks about that, so... Right. Only God can judge that, right? Right. So there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good, positive things, and there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of bad, evil things. And it's not me to condemn them or judge them. I mean, I'm not God. It's not up to me. But I do know that the Bible is full of warnings. So I try and thrive to encourage people who aren't doing good things to other people to change and repent and turn away from those things and start doing good things for people. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Do you want to say a closing prayer for those people who have been thinking about giving their life to God? They know they need help, but they just need sure, absolutely. encouragement to make that decision to, to follow Christ. Okay. So I, I, I know in first John one nine, it says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm, I'm just going to say a, a prayer, a closing prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, Father, we just thank you for this program, and we thank you for Vince. And, Lord, if there's depressed people out there and they're struggling with addiction and they need help and they just want to come to you, Lord, we just pray that they just reach out they put their hands in the air and they ask in the name of Jesus just to come into their lives. And Father, we just pray for healing for them. And we just pray that you just bless them and restore their lives. 
just bring healing to their hurts and their failures and bless them in all areas and protect them and guide them and direct them and bring them to you, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just pray for you now. Uh, Mike, okay. we thank you so much for coming on the call and telling us your life experiences. And we pray for Mike that God, you would bless him, bless the work of his hands, help him to be an inspiration to all that he meets. We thank you for how far you brought him. And we just pray that you would continue to refine Mike and, and make him all that he can be through Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Mike, thank you so much again for coming on the call. I believe that this conversation is going to help a lot of people to make a decision to come to Christ and to see their lives change and for them to become a positive impact for those around them.